Today, we're looking at the fact that God is just. Last week, we looked at the fact that he is good. And we looked then at the fact that he's not good because he does good, but he does good because he is good. And it's the same with his justice. He is not just because he exercises justice or does justice or just things. It's because it's his character. It's his nature to be just. And uh, justice, being just, is uh, an attribute that, uh, but what justice is, is basically, bottom line, is fairness, isn't it? Doing what's right uh, for in each situation in a fair way, a way that doesn't uh, uh, show favoritism toward one person or another. And really, in our heart of hearts, once we get our pride out of the way, which can overshadow our justice, uh, we have this whole idea of justice, of fairness in our hearts, don't we? It's part of the image of God. It's clouded over, as I said, by our pride a lot of times and our fallenness. But just think, how many kids have you ever heard shout, no fair? That's one of the things they learn how to say early on. I remember one time I was taking uh, Isaiah's brother, big brother, through the car wash. He loved car washes and so we were going through the car wash, and at that time, I had a car that had a sunroof on it. And just before we entered the car wash, I opened the sunroof, and so that uh, we'd get a shower while we went through the car wash. As soon as I opened that sunroof, Ian's eyeballs got big, and he started shouting, guess what? No fair, no fair. I don't know how that applied to that situation, but he knew when something was wrong, it wasn't fair. And uh, so, uh, of course, I didn't take us through the car wash like that. I was just playing with him. I like to mess with kids. I guess you might have seen that. But anyway, we uh, were uh, in, we, we went ahead and went through the car wash and everything was fine, but no fair. That's one of the things that's, it's a part of us. And God's put a lot of things in our hearts. And uh, in Isaiah, the 45th chapter, the 21st verse, we read this. Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me. And listen to this, a just God and a savior, there is none besides me. You see, there never will be injustice with God or any of his judgments ever. Now, because I know that, I can't go along with this thing where God, people say that God chose some to go to heaven and others to go to hell, because that's not just. That's not fair that he would just pick and choose who goes where, not based on any criteria other than his own whim. That's not justice. And I know God. 
I've met him personally. I'm saved. And he just saved me in a radical way. Now, let me ask, are any of you saved? Let's see, if you're saved, let's see your hands. Okay, all right, nearly, it is 100%. That's fantastic. Okay, that means that you've met him too. And uh, we walk with him every day. And he wrote a love letter to us. And we've read it and we continue to read it because it's a living letter that speaks to our hearts in new and different ways every time we open our hearts to it and read it. And so we can't believe anything that doesn't line up with this book. And so I cannot believe that he chose some for heaven and some for hell because I know my God. I know that he is good and I know that he is just. So we have these tough questions though, don't we? And you're going to face these questions from time to time. Why would a loving God or how could a just God send anyone to hell? And I want to answer that. But here's another question. Would God send someone to hell who's never had a chance, never heard the gospel, never had a chance. And so let's answer this by the Bible and not by our opinion. And I must say, this is an extremely deep topic that I'm just going to be skimming the surface on and understand I'm not going to be able to cover everything and all the ins and outs of it today. But uh, in Romans, the first chapter, the 18th through the 20th verses, we read this. For the God, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Manifest. That's a big word. We're going to come back to that. For God has shown it to them. You got that? God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So first of all, God manifests himself to every person and he does this internally and externally and that's what it's saying internally and externally Um, here's an example if i and i I heard uh, robert morris use this example a while back if i said there's a multi-billionaire in our worship service today I just, I, I said, I did, I just announced that. So I just want everybody to know that there's a, a multi-billionaire in the service today. You just think, okay, big deal. But if that multi-billionaire got up and began to do what only a multi-billionaire could do, and that is just walk around in the con, in the congregation and give everybody in the congregation $100,000. Now then, he would have manifested himself, wouldn't he? He would have done what only a multi-billionaire could do, 
and he would have made himself known, wouldn't he? And you'd have been glad that he was there too. I'm po- positive, possible. So, uh, but it, so let me. Just, are there any multi-billionaires in the congregation? No, no, not today. Okay. Well, so he makes. If he did that, he would make himself known. He wouldn't just be there. We somebody wouldn't have just acknowledged him with the mouth. He would have moved around and made himself personally known to each one of you. And so how does God make himself known? According to this, internally and externally, he manifests himself. He makes himself known. First of all, internally, God manifests himself to every person on the inside because we have a conscience. You know right from wrong. That's one of the reasons why kids shout no fair. They know when something's not right. They know when it's not fair. Every person has a conscience. Externally, he manifests himself to every person on the outside because we have creation, which is just a mind-boggling thing. And we just look at it and we wonder, how in the world... Uh, So we have conscience and creation. Your conscience tells you that there's a God. And creation tells us there's a God. Now think about this. Why did God create a universe that is so big? Stars as far as telescopes can see. And I think that they've got them now. I think I read that they could actually reach out and see things 300 million light years away, which is just incredible in and of itself. But did you know that the observable universe is currently 93 billion light years across? 93 billion light years. That just trips off the tongue, doesn't it? But have you ever thought about how big that is? 93 billion light years. The entire universe, that's the observable universe. The entire universe is probably, and whoever I was getting my information from said probably, because we don't know for sure, probably infinite, which means that there's no edge to it, no end to it. But they like to say that there's an edge to it. But the thing is, we're never going to get to the edge because the universe is continually expanding. It's continually getting bigger. So by the time you got the 43 billion light years to where the edge was supposed to be, it would have already moved out quite a bit, probably because just think, you have how far, you know, okay, light travels 186,000 miles per second. A light year is how far light would travel in one year. So 186, I'm not going to do all the math for you, but if you traveled for 93 billion years at the speed of light, you could get from one edge of the current known universe to the other edge. 93 billion years. That's a lot of time, don't you think? 
I mean, that's almost incomprehensible in and of itself. Just that, And by the time you got there in 93 billion years, if the universe is constantly expanding, how much further would you have to go? It's just, and then what's on the other side? You know, there's a, uh, I heard one uh, quantum physicist say that that's what we call God. Whenever you get beyond the unknown, even some scientists will admit God's out there somewhere. So, uh, the observable universe. So why in the world would he create a universe that big, except that he wants us to walk out at night on a clear night and look at the sky and say, there's got to be a God. There has to be a God. That's the only explanation. St. Patrick was kidnapped by Irish uh, 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 pirates and he was taken to Ireland and sold into slavery and he wound up being a shepherd out taking care of his master's flock. And he spent days and weeks out in the beautiful Irish countryside. And it said that out there in the countryside, just alone with God, he came to know him and love him in a very special way, which is uh, just from his creation, which is what's referred to as natural revelation. God's natural creation reveals him. Just looking at the seasons and how they provide for us and, and all the different things, it all tells us there's a God. And uh, Patrick just grew close to God just spending time in his creation and acknowledging that there he was right there with him. Here's the amazing thing to me is some people say, well, that takes a leap of faith. (sighs) To me, just the fact of existence is, uh, is proof that there's a God. Can you imagine? Okay. We're here. How do we get here? See existence If there never was anything before us, how did we come to be? How did this ever happen? To me, that's where it all starts. Because uh, if there was ever nothing, nothing could ever be. Which means there has always been something and beyond that, someone. And his name is God. He's there. And his son's name is Jesus And this humongous, incredible God visited us because he cares about us. To me, that's unfathomable as well. So uh, why, uh, why did God do this? Let me tell you something. God has put eternity in everyone's heart. Says it right in the Bible. If you look in Ecclesiastes 3.11, if you have your Bibles with you, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of the work that God does from the beginning to the end, which tells us scientists are never going to get it all figured out. Even they're on this, they're on this quest to, they're not going to ever figure it all out. God has put eternity in each one of our hearts. Now, think about this. Because of this 
nobody can ever say, no one told me. Because, you see, if they did say that, God could come and say, I told you. I came to you when you were a child, and I put it in your heart to wonder about me. Now let's take a poll. How many of you remember wondering about God when you were a child? Let me see your hands. Okay. Okay, thanks. That's just it. It's because he put that wonder there. He put that seed there. So you would think he's there. He's out there somewhere, you know. So uh, that's because God put eternity in your heart. Let me tell you something else. And this may blow you away. I'm just going to list a few of the Bible passages because of time. Every person, that's what the Bible says, every person who seeks after God will find him. Let me show you a few passages. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Not might find me, not should find me, not hopefully will find me. They will find me if they seek me diligently. They will find me. In Jeremiah, this is one that I love. And you will seek me and find me. And it's okay. And you will seek me and find me. You will find me. The verb still applies to find When you search for me with all your heart, you got to be serious about it. If you're not serious about it, you're not going to find him. But anybody who really is serious and has any depth at all is going to be wanting to know the answers. Jesus said this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. That applies in all sorts of different circumstances, and it applies if we look for God, if we cry out to him, if we ask him. I can attest to that. In Acts seventeen twenty six, this is the way Paul put it in his sermon on Mars Hill, starting with verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one. He's done this for every person, the Bible says. He's put in every person's heart to seek him in the hope that they might grope for him. And that's the hope. And if they grope for him, and grope, by the way, means to make an effort, to make an effort to find something. Uh, Just make the effort. If they will look for him, they will find him. Now, Just a few examples quickly about this. Number one, uh, there was a young Russian college student that she was uh, so such a devout Marxist. And she just was just sold on the whole thing. That was the way to go. 
and atheism was the way to go. And Christians who were worshiping uh, in secret were to be ferreted out. And she would find Christians, just like Paul would hunt down Christians. She would find them and turn them in. That's just something she did. And uh, she would just turn them over to the KGB. And then she started having some back problems, I think it was. And she started taking yoga to help with her back. And in yoga, she was supposed to have a mantra, something, some meaningless uh, phrase that she would say over and over again. And in derision to Christianity, she chose the Lord's Prayer for her mantra. And so she would, when she was doing her yoga stuff, she would say the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again, just meaningless words. And then she started thinking about the words. And then she started thinking about, is there possibly a father in heaven? Do we all have a father in heaven? And this just began to grab her. And uh, the whole of the Lord's Prayer just began to speak to her so that she found a brave Christian who was willing to share with her about Jesus. And she received him as her Lord and Savior. And then she started looking for Christian fellowship. But just like the uh, early disciples didn't want to have anything to do with Paul because, I mean, he'd been going around getting warrants for their arrest. She had been doing the same thing. And people, were, Christians were afraid of her. She finally found a group that were brave enough to take her in and mentor her and help her along in the Christian faith. And now she's just on fire for God and leading people to Jesus over and over and over again. Here's one that whenever she began to seek seriously, even though she was started out convinced there is no God and made fun of Christianity, became a Christian. And there are so many others that uh, there is author after author that's written uh, books about how they started out to disprove Christianity. But then as they dug into it, he grabbed them and now they're his. Missionaries, I've heard several accounts of missionaries in the early days one account we a missionary went to a, a tribe that uh, had never been reached by civilization before. And he shared with them about Jesus. And they just nodded as they listened. And then when they heard his name, they just got all excited and jumped up and started saying, Jesus, his name's Jesus. And it turned out that many, many years ago in that tribe, God had shown up. And he lived among them for a while and he taught them all about himself. And then as and he, then he said, I'm going to go away. I am going to come back again. And there are others going to come and tell me more about you. And they said, they told the missionary, we knew all about him. We've worshiped him for years. We just never knew his name. And they were just so glad because knowing someone's name helps you to really be personally connected to them. And so it just gave them joy to be able to say his name. Nowadays, if you'll, if you'll search, you'll find over and over again, the Lord himself is appearing to radical Muslims in the Middle East. 
revealing himself to them and them being converted because they met him personally. Imams are now sharing Jesus with other people. It's a wonderful thing to behold. Now then, if he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll ever surely find me. The Lord will make a way to get across to you. This. Now then, some people use these questions I ask at the first as a crutch because they really don't want to face the bottom line. Because you see, you know all about him. You know all about him. And uh, if there's someone that you think may not have heard about him, the Lord's either going to make a way or he's already made a way. But you have heard and you know you have a choice now. You know the choice. And it's by faith. You know that Jesus has already died on the cross for your sins. And you know that you can do nothing to add to your salvation. He did it for you. All you can do is humbly confess him as Lord, receive what he's done on the cross. And some people put off doing that because they want you. But what if, what about? The thing is, he's made a way for them. He's made a way for you. And what have you done with what he's made for you? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.